This week, we welcome Matt Ashburn, National Security Engagement Lead at Authenticate, to discuss how to scale your SOC, protecting against browser-based threats. In the Leadership and Communications section, cybersecurity, a risk to all board of directors. Is the cybersecurity industry selling lemons? Apparently, lots of important CISOs think it is. Four critical strategies for tech leaders in Gartner's CIO agenda and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Week. As a security leader, CyberEye for Teams was built to make your job easier. Are you struggling to measure your team's skills proficiency, provide critical or relevant role-based training, or translate training investments into meaningful business outcomes? CyberEye for Teams is the industry's number one NIST-aligned DOD 8140 and 8570 compliance certification and skills training platform. 96% of the Fortune 500 have employees training on CyberEye. Cyberay for Teams. Skills development solved. Visit cyberay.it forward slash solved to solve your training problems. With over half of enterprise security budgets going towards detection and response in 2020, the challenge is investing in solutions that can migrate and scale with your business. ExtraHop helps security teams spot threats up to 95% faster and respond 60% more efficiently in hybrid and multi-cloud environments with cloud-native network detection and response. Kick the tires in the full product demo at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Cyber risk and compliance automation is finally here. Arduous legacy GRC systems cannot support the powerful real-time automation and oversight that organizations require to take risks that matter and compete in today's business climate. CyberSaint ingests data from your existing tech stack to deliver unprecedented patented automation and visibility into enterprise risk and compliance. Don't get left behind. See why the most forward-thinking CISOs and business leaders of Fortune 500 and more partner with CyberSaint. Maximize your cybersecurity program today by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash cybersaintbsw. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 193, recorded October 26, 2020. I am your host, Matt Alderman, here in a very snowy Colorado. Joining me from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island are my co-hosts, Mr. Paul Asadorian and Mr. Jason Albuquerque. Coming from the dark days in New England. Yes, we don't need to talk yeah. about that. It's good to be here, Matt. <laughs> he who shall not be named. <laughs> yes. I'm just happy the Big Ten is playing football again because watching professional football is painful right now. It is. <laughs> for, once we Security, can feel, for once we can feel it with you, Matt. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Welcome to my <laughs> world. Security Weekly, in partnership with Cyber Risk Alliance, is excited to present Security Weekly Unlocked on December 10th, 2020. This one-day virtual event wraps up with the 15th anniversary edition of Paul's Security Weekly live on our YouTube channel. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash unlock to view the agenda and register for free. Also, learn how to build an integrated security program in our webcast on October 28th. On November 5th, we'll show you how to build proper metrics and KPIs and learn why you should stop trying to discover and classify data in our webcast on November 12th. We also just added another one for November 19th. So if you want to see all of our webcasts, visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast, or you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash on demand to see all of our previously recorded webcasts. This segment is sponsored by Authenticate. To learn more, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash authenticate. Matt Ashburn is National Security Engagement Lead at Authenticate, focusing on engagement with national security customers. Prior to Authenticate, Matt served as a CIA officer focusing on cyber issues, including a detailed serving on the National Security Council as the Chief Information Security Officer and Special Advisor to the National Security Advisor, leading technical expertise, risk reduction strategies, and policy for national security systems. Matt, welcome back to Business Security Weekly. Matt, great to be here again. Good to see you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You have a lot of great experience in uh, our national security side. 
We're going to talk about the SOC today. We're going to talk about scaling the SOC and, and SOC resources. Uh, but before we get into some of the, you know, deep dive into how Authenticate helps, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges with SOC and, and SOC analysts. Yeah, Matt, that's a, that's a good question, right? So, I mean, you know, most of my career was spent in the federal government and also some in the commercial financial sector standing up SOCs, right? So standing up those cyber defense teams or working as an incident responder myself, uh, either as a level one, level two, level three analyst or cyber threat intel team, right? And, and this is something that's familiar to many people. And it's where the heart of cyber defense happens, right? The the incidents begin and end there in the SOC. And they, they typically have wide ranging responsibilities, limited resources and constraints that, that every team has to work through, right? So you have to prioritize where you spend your security investment, where you spend your time, and you know, one of the other things that SOCs face, unfortunately, is high turnover, right? There's a high rate of attrition. People get really bogged down in the game of whack-a-mole that they have to play. And it's really, really frustrating. So SOCs really need two things that I've found in my career, right? One is to prioritize, prioritize your time best, right? And gain some efficiency somehow. And you know, despite all the security investment that people have spent over the past 15 years, somehow SOCs still spend 90% or more of their time on these email-based attacks or web-based attacks where maybe it's a drive-by download or ransomware or maybe an email with a phishing link or an attachment that's malicious. And that leads to a compromise in the network, right? And, and cyber defenders spend probably 90, 95% of their time on these types of incidents, regardless of the security spend that we've invested in over the past 15 years. And it's super frustrating. The other thing that they spend a lot of time doing is once they have an incident, they now have to go research it and triage whatever the suspected malicious content is very rapidly. So in, in the case of an email-based attack, for example, or ransomware, something has made it into the corporate environment and now they have to somehow analyze that and make a call, yes or no, whether or not an incident exists and how to respond to that. So those are two areas where they really need to gain some efficiency, and we have some ways we can help them with that. Now, I think a lot of people, when they think about efficiency and scale, they think security orchestration automation solutions, right? Because that's like the first thing you do, right, is you go buy a SOAR platform and, <laughs> and, and you get scale. Absolutely. Right. And those are all great things to have, right? You need to have good, strong processes. You need to have automation where it makes sense. And that's sort of where we come in, right? We're a service that actually, I think, fits in very well to the SOC mission. So we offer essentially a web browser as a service. So rather than have the web browser inside of your corporate network and have it reach out to the internet, grab untrusted content and bring it back down to the workstation, which by the way, that's where your sensitive data resides, right? You want to keep that untrusted content away from your sensitive data, away from your users, away from your applications that you care about. So what we do, what we do is we actually have the web browser outside of the corporate network in a cloud-based container. And this allows you to have full access, be able to view and interact with web content, just like you would with any other web browser, but it's completely isolated from the things that you care about. So it gives you the full access, but prevents things like drive-by downloads, ransomware, malicious links and, and attachments from calling back out to the internet. So it really provides a, a really big time gain and you gain back your time there in the sock, right? So rather than spending 90% of your time on these types of incidents, you now have 90% of your time back. Yeah. You're creating that efficiency at the root cause of the problem, right? Instead of Absolutely. putting a big platform in to try to try to analyze all the data coming in, you're hitting it at the root cause. That's exactly right. And, and you know, the web browsing architecture, right, is what, like 30 years old? You know, Tim Berners-Lee created the, the web browsing standards and architecture 30 years ago, and it really hasn't evolved. It doesn't have built-in security into the protocols, and you really can't reverse back and try to add those in now. Because what you get is a bunch of sensors there in your security stack that are always trying to scan and detect mm -hmm. malware. And we know that those things are never going to be 100%, right? You're always going to have some way to get around those, some way to evade detection, or there's a new exploit that's out there that we don't know about. Rather, what we do is we address the root cause, which is that the web browser is inside the network typically and grabs untrusted content and brings it in. We eliminate that completely with a true zero trust architecture. And we really thought the problem from the ground up. We said, if we were to design a web browser today, what would it look like, right? We, you know, first of all, it'd be zero trust. We don't bring any content into your corporate infrastructure or your organization's infrastructure. We leave all the untrusted content outside, but we still give the user full access to view and interact with everything they need to, add in, that they need to interact with, right? We also built in a bunch of enterprise security options like mm -hmm. data loss prevention or uh, 
super detailed auditing and logging. Those are all things that can also benefit the SOC. Yeah, so you created an abstraction layer between the end user and the content that they're actually viewing, right? So that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's right. And the other thing is also the SOC itself can use a cloud browser, right? So once you have a malicious piece of content and you want to go investigate it further, well, why do that on your corporate network, right? You know, most, most SOCs have a standalone dirty network that mm -hmm. requires an intense amount of overhead and, and operations and maintenance cost. It's also another security risk, right? Because now you're transferring data back and forth from this untrusted network to your organization's constituent network, and that can bring its own risks into play. And, and I've seen, you know, a couple of cases in my time where a SOC analyst that is very well-intentioned somehow infects his own workstation on the corporate network, right? And that's always a bad day and a bit of an embarrassment if you're a SOC analyst. So we can actually be used both to prevent these incidents as well as within the SOC itself to go investigate untrusted content and view it, interact with it, and analyze it in a way that doesn't affect the corporate network security. Now, I won't argue with your point that the web browser certainly is the primary vehicle for pulling down well, content and a lot of times malicious content and the browser architecture in and of itself has a lot of moving parts. And we've seen a lot of vulnerabilities in, you know, if you, it's fascinating to look into Chrome, for example, and how they break up the rendering engine versus the browser engine in each tab and the vulnerabilities and how each browser has implemented the JavaScript engine as an example, right? But the browser is but one software application that uses HTTP or HTTPS to communicate from you know, between the endpoint and the internet. What what is available for your users to apply policy as to how they browse the web? Right, like is this specific to the user has the intent of using a web browser and going out, or are there other ways that you can provide to like if you've ever fired up a sniffer on your network, you know it's not just your browser talking over HTTP protocols. That's absolutely right, right? And that's something that we see a lot of challenges with in many organizations. Uh, by and large, you know, most of the attacks, most of the compromises come from the user-initiated traffic, by and large. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, and unfortunately, because of all this, we'll call it noise, this just general internet badness that's out there, the socks are overloaded with this stuff, and they spend most of the time on that. And so, you know, my opinion is let's offload that to a cloud-based service where it makes sense, where you don't have to worry about the content the user is seeing, and you know, then you can deal with the rest of it, right? And there are other strategies that you can use to to deal with that that other ten percent of incidents. And the other thing, that, the other benefit that you get that I really like is that you uh, reduce that sock turnover because now your super smart analysts are not getting bogged down with the really boring, tedious work of web-based malware. They now can go focus on the more complex things. You know, perhaps there's a DNS covert channel beaconing out that you don't see. Uh, perhaps there's there's a supply chain attack that's been successful. These are things that unfortunately socks don't have a lot of time to spend. Uh, to, to go research and investigate. So on the user side, you just have to control what their default browser is in the operating system? Is that how it's enforced as a policy? That's exactly right. There's two, there's two ways to do it, really. There's one is you can install it as you would any other executable as a web browser, right? Mm -hmm. So just like Chrome or Firefox or Edge, install our browser, browser alongside it, and the user can go use that. The other way that you can uh, use our service is if you have an existing uh, secure web gateway, which most organizations do, and you, perhaps you have a policy uh, that's running there to, to uh, filter out certain content that may be objectionable or against your corporate policy, we can have a seamless integration with many of those where you can set up a, uh, a page that will redirect into our service seamlessly and unbeknownst to the user, and it'll actually be a web-based application that would be launched in tab there with the user. Gotcha. Awesome. So yeah. when I think about scale for a second in the SOC, right, the first thing we just did, I think, is we took, what, 90% of the traditional web-based threats, and we kind of threw them away, right, by using silo. Now, if I'm in the SOC, where else do I get some economies of scale, some efficiencies with silo for research, right, where I, I, I see other malicious activity Talk about, you started to go down that path a little bit. How else does Silo and having this browser capability, this isolation capability available to the SOC right. analysts, how does that also help them scale? Right, great question. So I'll, I'll, I'll switch to a video here and you can see this. So this is actually a, um, a demo video that we created here. And this is a user actually using our browser. It looks and feels just like any other browser. And you know perhaps they're looking for dinner recommendations or they're browsing a news website. 
And you see here, it's, it's not a, an interface that requires a lot of training or anything like that. It's super easy to use and very intuitive because it's built on today's browsers, right? And you know, perhaps somebody goes to their email client like they're doing here, and they see, oh, this is a very attractive email. Maybe I want to click this. They then open the email. They, they open up the link. And then, of course, we know what happens from there, right? The, the uh, link is, is uh, accessing some kind of malicious content, and then it's prompting them to download it. In this case, the user is actually clicking save but it's actually not being saved to the local workstation. It's being saved to a very safe and secure cloud-based storage that's within the browser itself. Uh, that's something that we offer with our product. Now, what just happened there happened just a, a few seconds, but could have meant uh, a really bad day for the SOC, right? If it had been an actual compromise. And so on the other side of things, which you, which you mentioned there, Matt, is that it can be used for the SOC's benefit as well. So from the SOC's perspective, we can actually play this video here. We're actually from the user, from the Sox perspective, right? We're here in Splunk and we actually have a Splunk app that is fully integrated with our, with our log data here. So the great thing about Silo that I really love is that you get super detailed audit logs. And so actually we have a full audit log here of the session that was just, uh, that was just introduced. And we see everything from the user logging in, the fact that they logged in using a pin, uh, the type of session that they have going on here and all this very, very detailed information. And we can actually use this for, for many things. You know, there's the insider threat piece where you're actually monitoring users for misuse uh, or abuse of, of policies or perhaps uh, data theft, that type of thing. But you can also use it for just the, the regular SOC use case for cyber defense and viewing exactly line by line what the user is doing in a unified audit trail across the whole browser session. And in this case, we see that they visited a news site, CNN. We see them going and, and looking at their email here and checking the email. We see them actually performing an action there within the email, uh, the email web page there. And then we hear, we see a, uh, a bucket that was created. This is a, an indication that perhaps they were going to download a file. We see here the, actually the download image or the download uh, action rather. And it's very, very detailed here. We even have the URL that they used to go access, right? And so if we now take that, we can actually get all this information and now use it to the benefit of the defense, right? So we can we can grab the, the URL here and actually upload it to our favorite sandbox, whether it's virus total, maybe just do a quick, uh, quick triage or perhaps something else like uh, Joe's sandbox or, or something else, or maybe we have an own in-house sandbox that we'd like to do. So without any worry at all, just put the URL in here, visit it, and you would never do this on your corporate network, right? You would never go visit a malicious URL on your corporate network. But in this case, we did so, and there's no risk at all because it's actually taking place outside in the cloud, and we're just viewing the session remotely. And I'm actually saving a copy of the file there to our cloud-based storage. And now I'm in our storage manager here, and I'm just going to locate the file that we downloaded. There it is. Right-click. I'm going to send it to VirusTotal for a quick scan. And we get a notification here that the report has been generated and it's been saved to our storage. Great, there we go. And so now I'm gonna go find the report. And this is super easy to do. And there's no transfer of data back and forth between the corporate network and a dirty network that I have to maintain. It's all right here. And I can copy and paste and I'll grab this virus total report that was generated and I can see it in a matter of seconds, right? So in, in 60 seconds or so here, I've done a complete triage here and I can determine whether or not uh, something malicious has happened. And we see here that it's actually an Emotet variant. Uh, that, that would have caused a compromise on our corporate network. And so this is something where I see we can get a lot of efficiency back in the SOC, right? Where we have um, the need here to rapidly triage files and do research. And we could do more research, right? If we had more time, right? We could re go research domains or, or URLs, or if there are certain uh, email addresses or IP addresses, we can go research all of those all without any attribution to our organization, which is something else that's really important for those cyber threat intel teams. Yeah, what I thought was interesting, right, is all the log data sitting there integrated into Splunk. So now Splunk can actually do aspects of the alerting for you, right? It's consuming all the logs from Authenticate. It's the one that triggers the alert. And then the analyst now can go to Silo for research to do the research without potentially infecting their own environment because now they have access out of their environment to go do all this browser-based research in an isolated environment, they don't even have to build their own isolation uh, network. 
That's exactly right. This is a total replacement for your, your standard dirty networks that a lot of organizations have to maintain. And, and those always come with their own pain points, right? And, and their own downsides. Uh, with this, you have an all-in-one solution here where you can remotely access uh, these URLs, whether they're malicious or not, and have no fear that it's going to infiltrate and compromise your own network. Matt, can you also separate those networks from ones that you're monitoring and doing correlation with? In other words, when I go to the sites after I've gotten a malware sample and I'm in the SOC, I don't want that necessarily to be like logged and correlated to other things, which is a precursor to my next question, right? But you can separate those, I'm assuming, into like different buckets for lack of a better term. Absolutely. There are many ways you could do that. I would probably do that uh, in Splunk itself, right? You can categorize. There's a ton of information, as you saw there, right? So we can have mm-hmm. perhaps our SOC users within a group. Maybe the the type of session that was launched can be uh, maybe the managed attribution session that we know is for the SOC, that type of thing. There are many mm-hmm. ways you can separate out those logs so that they're not miscorrelated, let's say. Gotcha. So separate them on the log side. Can you separate that on the uh, silo side as well and create like different groups and like don't log all the stuff here because it's, you know, for research? Right. So that's a great question. You actually can. We have uh, a fully fun- fully functional uh, access control uh, mm-hmm. interface, really, really slick admin interface. And you can have many different organization types, sub orgs and, and sub sub orgs and all these things you want to do. So you could easily do that. Yes. That's awesome. Um, speaking of uh, the correlation, what are some effective means in which organizations are using this data to correlate it, right? Because we've just done segments on Sysmon and collecting AD authentication logs. And I'm, I'm really buying into this theory of what comes out of the OS natively is really what you need to do effective EDR. How are customers correlating that with the, the silo logs? Right. That, that's an excellent, excellent question, right? So um, one of the the points that you brought up earlier, right, is that it's not only the user that can initiate connections out to the web. This is something that really provides you assurance that the user is actually interacting with this session. Uh, because let's say you have silo and then you maybe you've done a, uh, a really good job of, of locking down your network and only authorized and authenticated devices and services can call out to the internet directly. Mm-hmm. And maybe all of your other web traffic goes through silo, right? And if that's the case, perhaps Sysmon or Procmon or something else there in the operating system, which provides you a great deal of detail, perhaps that shows you that something is initiating a web connection. That can actually help you uh, pairing that with the silo data, help you deconflict a bit there and understand what is actually legitimate user activity versus something else that may be automated or something else lurking there in the background. Yeah. I was just thinking of those exact, like I would have a rule in Sysmon that would be like, if Firefox.exe attempts to go out to the internet. Well, there's no need for a user to ever do that. So in Sysmon, you can say, show me when that happens because it logs the process and where it connected to and the port and all that stuff. That's exactly right. And we didn't show it in this video, but we actually have an interactive login option where you actually have to punch in a, a pin, a four-digit pin that corresponds to letters that are on the screen. And that actually is to prevent key logging. So yep. if you have a key logger, for example, and you have just basic uh, sort of you know, password and PIN or, or something like that, or some kind of authentication, the key logger can easily grab your password or grab your PIN. Mm-hmm. What we do is that we actually scramble the, the letters around every time you log in. And so this time, perhaps the number one is associated with M, and maybe the number two is associated with Z. You, know, you have to type in a certain sequence there that changes every time to prevent key logging. This is another assurance that the activity is 100% user-initiated and, and more legitimate than something that's automated. So it sounds like you're you're generating a cipher on the fly for the That's user exactly to log right. in. Yes. That's all like the things we used to get in breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> and used by the military. Uh we've done segments uh on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Uh Jason, uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, you've you've got a bunch of browser based users. You know, where yeah. do you see some of the value here so, uh, for your team? Yeah, so from my perspective, I, I see it twofold, right? I mean, this is this is definitely something I want to I want to get with my team on. That that abstraction layer for me is key, right? I mean, I have 1200 folks out there in the field, uh, even even worse now that we're almost 90% remote workforce, that, you know, that takes them outside of our walls. And, and for me, I see the value even more over the last 6 months to be able to have that abstraction layer between my user and the content that they're going out there to, to, to pull down, right? I mean, there's so many instances, God, I could tell story after story, um, you know, about, about our end users and, and, and them raising the hand after the fact. Well, guess what? I don't want that hand raised after the fact. I want that preventative measure. I don't ever want it to get to our analysts, right? Um, so, so from that perspective, tons and tons of value. 
Um, I definitely want to drive deeper into the silo for research, right? That's somewhere where I think my team could could get a, a ton of value out of. You know, going to your website, I saw you know I saw the the the, the value add in OSINT collection, threat intel, right? Criminal investigations. More and more, we're doing e-discovery for customers. Right, because we're we're a managed service provider and we're a, we're a uh, IT professional services organization, but you know when the stuff hits the fan, who, who's the first person they call is their knock, right? They call their knock and they're saying we need help with e-discovery. So I see value on the e-discovery side. I don't know if you have use cases for that, but that's something that popped out right away for me. Yeah, Jason, you're thinking exactly right there. You know, there are many different use cases for the technology, and you mentioned remote work. We actually have several. Uh, very large customers, in fact, using our solution for remote work to enable that managed attribution, right? Mm -hmm. So perhaps they're doing open source research or criminal investigations, and normally they'd have to drive into an office and log into a separate isolated network there that is maybe a misattributed network on, that's on site. We provide that as a service, right? Mm -hmm. So you can access it from anywhere in the world, which really does help enable that remote work. And, and so we talk about scaling our SOC and enabling remote work for the SOC a lot, and that's a big challenge mm -hmm. too. Many times the SOC has to be on site and that can be, be a decrease there to morale and can be another hardship, yet another hardship for the SOC analyst, right? Yeah. By enabling them to remote work because now they can do this sandboxing and malware analysis and initial triage anywhere that they are, you no longer have a case there where they're prevented from using uh, remote 100%. work solutions. 100%. I mean, from, from our perspective, you know, and again, we don't, we don't run a SOC, we run a knock for our customers. Um, you know, we have the software internal, but but for our customer facing, we made a decision early on that we can't have our knock engineers physically in one location because guess what? One person gets sick, our entire knock is down, and we can't afford to have right. that happen. Same thing for a sock, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can't afford to have that happen where one person gets exposed and now you've literally hit your entire sock and and, and you know had to have them quarantine. So, so for raw perspective, I mean, this this is a huge benefit that now you can have that that level of confidence and trust that a remote knock or remote sock can be successful. That's absolutely right, and we actually have some use cases where uh, some corporate customers of ours they have a need to have. Uh, web apps that are remotely accessible, right? But they're concerned about the security and they don't want to open it up to, mm -hmm. to everyone because they, they are concerned about uh, perhaps some vulnerabilities or attempted exploits or any of those things, right? You can actually use our technology, but in a slightly different way uh, where you have a virtualized instance of a browser front-ending a web-based application mm -hmm. that can uh, replace a web application firewall, for example, or work in coordination with, with a WAF, right? Where mm -hmm. now you have a secure access gateway to your web apps that are normally public-facing, but with some extra security built in because the end users are not directly interacting with the server hosting the application. They're interacting with our service and our service yeah. is interacting with the web application. No, that's great. Yeah. Again, that layer of abstraction, mm -hmm. right? That allows you to do that. Yeah, but al but also having that, um, you know, that 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 level of ability because just from what you sh showed in the demo, the the logs. I mean, it, it's all about having that content in a place where you can bring it back and, and have that chain of custody and show it in a, in an instance where it's either an investigation or, like I mentioned earlier, e discovery. To be able to have it there where you can prove the chain of custody if you needed to. It's, it's huge for me. Like I said, we have so many customers looking for e-discovery. And the first thing the attorneys do is say, all right, what was the chain of custody? Show me everybody who touched this, everybody who clicked something. And to be able to have that level of logging is huge. Right. And, you know, I talked a little bit about the, the architecture of a web browser. It was not built with security in mind. Mm -hmm. And so your web browsers today don't have built-in auditing and logging. And you typically have to rely on third-party, either an endpoint solution uh, mm -hmm. of some kind, endpoint security solution, or maybe the the logs there within the operating system itself. And that can get kind of messy when you start looking at that. So we provide a, a very, very in-depth log, uh, log record across all sessions within the web browser that's a unified audit record mm -hmm. that can be easily digested by Splunk or whatever your solution is, right? So it was built with security in mind. That's awesome. That's awesome because you think about how what our web browsers do today. They're often the cul culprits of eating as much CPU and RAM more so than other applications on our desktop. So the fact that we don't have those uh, visibility, as you said, Matt, into is kind of frightening, right? They're the primary interface for us to use our applications, whatever that application is, and there's zero visibility into yeah. them. And, which is and, and hey, by the way, that's how we get to all of our major line of business applications that yeah. run the business. Yeah, <laughs> your right. ERP systems, right? right. <laughs> your CRM. I mean, you're running the business out of a browser these days. Mm -hmm. 
pretty much. And and what you do is you just throw more CPU and RAM at it mm-hmm. because you know the more tabs you have open, the the slower your machine gets. Right. right. <laughs> yep. Oh, gentlemen, any additional questions for Matt while we have him? No, I think we're good. Yeah. Good to go. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Yeah, thanks, guys. I just ran a speed test, just so you know, and it was over a gig of speed that I got back. So we're talking about performance. A virtual browser is a way to do that without sacrificing. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I saw that. I was yeah. wondering what you're doing. Yes. Nice. All right, guys. Take care. Great to see you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. To learn more about Silo or Silo for research, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash authenticate. We'll take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week. DeepWatch provides innovative managed security services that empower organizations to be more resilient against today's evolving cyber threats. DeepWatch offers game-changing capabilities in managed detection and response, managed endpoint detection and response, and vulnerability management. All delivered through a unique squad model, a dedicated group of security experts that works directly with each client. From managed security operations to threat hunting to continuous measurement of security readiness, DeepWatch is advancing the service of managed security. Measure your SecOps maturity for free by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash DeepWatch. The most at-risk industries like financial, tech, and government agencies use web isolation to keep their networks and users secure. The Silo web isolation platform by Authenticate allows users to experience the web in full isolation, eliminating the chance of a web-borne cyber attack. You can interact with malicious files and websites without worry, even if you're working remotely. Authenticate enables anyone anywhere on any device to experience the web without risk. See how it works at securityweekly.com forward slash authenticate. Most breaches are caused by exploiting oversights and basic cybersecurity fundamentals, but complex hybrid multi-cloud infrastructures make cybersecurity hygiene challenging. Red Seal can help. It shows you what's on your network, how it's connected, and the associated risk across public cloud, private cloud, and physical environments. With Red Seal, you'll get control of your cybersecurity fundamentals so you can protect your organization from the inevitable attack vectors and reduce your cyber risk. For more information, visit securityweekly.com forward slash Red Seal. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Paul Asadorian and Jason Albuquerque. Join Amit Barakat, co-founder and CEO of Perimeter 81, and our very own Paul Asadorian for a technical deep dive into the problems inherent in legacy VPN technology. Together, they will explore solutions for the modern workforce and how momentum toward perimeterless architecture is helping redefine the future of cybersecurity. Register now by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash perimeter 81. Would you like to have all of your favorite Security Weekly content at your fingertips? Have a question for one of our illustrious hosts, someone from the Security Weekly team, or wish you could hang out with the Security Weekly crew and community? Subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher, sign up for our mailing list, and join our Discord server to stay in the loop on all things Security Weekly. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. All right, gentlemen, we're going to get into articles. I keep flipping the order on you just because <laughs> Paul hasn't fixed our software yet. So <laughs> You just want to keep me on my toes. Exactly right, Jason. I'm going to keep you on your toes. Hey, it's on our developer so, now. I guess that's You want to get a me. host to pay attention, just screw up the order of the articles. <laughs> exactly. It's just random. So for all those watching at home, we're going article four, six, five, two, and three, one, then whatever. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's do it. <laughs> Just pick one. Uh, so the first one is cyber cybersecurity uh, is a board issue. Uh, what I yeah. there was one line in here that I thought was oh, let's see if it's the real, same line that I'm I'm thinking about. One misconception is that information technology is synonymous with cybersecurity. That's one mm-hmm. of the big misconceptions here. Yep. Uh, and. What he, what he does then is he says, look, you probably got the wrong C-level sitting at the board because they're yeah. not synonymous. Exactly. And, and the other, I guess, guiding comment that was in there that, that kind of helps that one out is if your CISO reports to the CIO or CTO, you may have a problem. Mm-hmm. Unless your CISO is the CIO as well, right? I mean, because that's... Right. <laughs> Good. Yeah, in your, right. In your case. <laughs> but from my perspective, I went into the job saying, I am a security-centric CIO. If if I'm taking this job, security comes first, and that was that's that that's how, you know, my leadership, you know, my CEO, 
said absolutely 100% supported it, right? That's that's the key because managing our internal IT operations, if it's not led with security, we're doing a disservice to our customers. At right, the end of but the day. IT is one aspect of cybersecurity exactly, in an organization. Exactly, 100%. Right. I'm curious, Jason. Right. So when I when I read this article, mm-hmm. I'm thinking CIA, right? Confidentiality, yeah. integrity, availability versus availability, sure. integrity, confidentiality. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is that the way you look at it? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 putting our security posture ahead, right, ahead of the game. And and for me, it's baking security into every process that all of our business units, including IT, mm-hmm. are performing. Right. Mm-hmm. If we have a, a marketing led initiative. Security sitting at the table, right? If it's a strategy. If we're having a finance-led initiative, security sitting at the table. And that was my ability to embed security into every single business process that we have. You have to be in the front of the process instead of behind the process. Because at the end, the decisions are already made. Mm. And it could be something detrimental to the organization. But I think a lot of those historically have funneled through IT at some point. And then that's where security whether they're behind or ahead of the curve would get involved. What I like about this view is what you're saying is that security is involved in all aspects of the business, not just waiting for marketing to go have some new initiative. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we all know that trickles down to IT spinning up some new system or software, right? right, And that's the information technology portion of that. But the business initiatives are started at the business units, 100%. and that's where security needs to start. And, and the I, building I like, of the process. I think I finally get your your your, your stick on that, yeah, and I really stick. like it. I really I really like it now. But, now, but, I, now but, I get it. But it's but it's the reality. It's it, yeah. it's part of the criteria that led me to take the role. Yeah. Right. I, it, it, we always talk about making sure your leadership style fits your role. Well, my leadership style dictated the fact that I had to take security and put it in the front, the right. front of the process. Because here's the thing the partner could already be a vetted and handed to security at the end mm-hmm. where in, in I, I hate bad busy bad busy is trying to vet a partner or, or force fit a partner in that doesn't belong in your organization to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my job is to identify that ahead, right? And say, this partner brings too much risk to our organization. Look for a new partner. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. proactive security, right? That's proactive. It is, but you probably inherited a bunch of those relationships that sure. you had to go figure out and 100%. then get yeah. ahead of them. Right? And, and, and you want to know what? At the end of the day, in some instances, many times, there's already a relationship built that you can't unwind that ball of yarn. So our job is to make them better. They're a strategic partner that's already in play. How do we make them better? So you do an evaluation of the risk that they're bringing in and work on a remediation strategy to get them up to speed. Yeah. Right? Yes, yep. you're going to have the legacy relationships, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a ton of them. Yep. But knowing about them is that's important. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you um, know, the, 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 the second bullet item I think was, you know, underrepresentation of, of dem- some certain demographics, right? I, I would argue it's not just women in the industry, too. I would argue yeah. that, you know, uh, if you look at it, Hispanics compromise only 7% of cybersecurity right now, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of diversity we need to start bringing in to to you know into cybersecurity so we have, we have to it, do it that's why we have the diversity panel at unlock mm-hmm. to talk through some yes. of those issues yes. and get them on the table to right. to help the industry yeah right and we, sure. t- we talked about it on the last show it's 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 up to us as leaders in the industry yeah. to be volunteering in these in these places right you know being myself being on the board of tech collective which helps p-tech which is you know an, an, an inner city inner city technology school Really getting that exposure out there, right? And in, in, in showing folks cybersecurity actually exists and it's something that, you know, if you have the right attitude and the right aptitude, you can excel at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the first article leads into the second article. So mm-hmm. I read the headline here are the cybersecurity concerns boards really care about. And then they don't talk about anyone. No. They talk about how to go. Yeah. They, they talk about the process, which I get. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, but, but they, they miss some areas too, man. More. I mean, honestly, yeah. they miss some areas, right? Because, you know, it says start simple, right? And, and, and identify your risks, know what you have, all those things we always talk about. Nowhere in the article did it actually say, go out and figure out what your risk tolerance of your culture and your organization is. Mm, Nowhere. And, and, and at the end of the day, that is extremely important for you to but, be able to know as a leader to know all the different business units in your organization and their level of risk tolerance. And then the risk tolerance of the board and the CEO, that's power. That's power because now you can make some decisions and, and, and you don't have to, you can bring recommendations to the board proactively if you know the risk tolerance of your organization. 
versus having to wait for them to come back with a response <laughs> or you a decision. May, you may have right? to develop that risk tolerance. A- absolutely. But, but you have to be part of it. They may of, not know. They may not know. 100%, right? And, and that, that you build over time. You have to allow them to, mm-hmm. to think about that Absolutely. and bring up all the various use Absolutely. cases before they can formulate yep. what their risk tolerance That's is. Right. How do you know what your right. risk tolerance is if you don't know If, if the board doesn't know what it yeah. means, right? Or, or the know what it means, the impact, right? right? That's it. And over time, you start learning, right? You start learning what the risk tolerance of the organization, depending on the scenario, is. And then you can start be making better decisions or proactive decisions, make decisions quicker. Yeah, that's an art in and of itself. It you is. Know, talking to the board and doing some light threat modeling with them mm-hmm. in what if scenarios. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's dangerous waters, right? Because it's very easy to, to walk down one of those paths mm-hmm. and threat modeling and have them say, well, that's you know the likelihood of that. Ha- they'll always bring up likelihood. That's the first sure. thing that yeah. they'll, they'll lead in with in my yep. experience. Yep. Likelihood of that happening is, is so slim, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Urgency, impact, likelihood. Yeah. You have to really, you have to really look at it from those those three aspects. But um, and, and last but week, again, you got to be really careful not to get too in the weeds, too. Yes. If you're talking to the CEO, you're talking to a board of directors. You can't go down the rabbit hole of getting in the weeds, right? They they want to know business impact. How is this going to impact the business? How is this going to risk the business? How is this going to affect our customers? How is this going to affect new business? Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's where you need to start aligning those conversations. It's actually a great starting point for aligning those conversations. You should write an article or do a podcast just on that. Let, let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> need a segment just on that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need these third-party articles. We'll just wait for yours. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There we go. Uh, number th- Oh, I love this story. Is cybersecurity selling lemons? Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, uh, this was a really interesting... Look, we, we spent a lot of time with mm-hmm. cybersecurity companies yeah. and messaging mm-hmm. and problem solution value discussions, sure, sure. right? Absolutely. And to see this kind of survey come back mm-hmm. where some of these CISOs are like, yeah, I think we're being sold a bag of goods is not good for our industry. No, and and, and I 100% agree. You know, I mean, it, it's funny. I have this slide and you've probably all seen it. It's it's that slide deck of all the different products out there in the industry and in in. God, you need a microscope just to see it all. And, and how do you make sense of that, right? As, as a consumer, as a buyer, how do you make sense of just how, how inundated the market is with all of these point solutions and point tools? You know, we've read articles where uh, CIOs and CISOs are looking to consolidate down on those platforms, right? Not have so many point solutions. This is why. This is exactly why, right? And, and you know, along with that, we spend a lot of time making fun of all these niche new marketing terms that come out in the industry. But that's a byproduct of this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're trying to sell they're trying to sell a solution and eventually get bought out is is what it's coming down to, right? Um, yep. uh, again, I think it's up to us as leaders in the industry, and and this is a great platform for this Security Weekly. You guys vet these technologies, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at these technologies and saying, you know, they're they're worthwhile technologies. In the well, I I think it's easy to point the fingers at the vendors and say you're selling lemons right we're also buying Certainly. lemons yeah i exactly exactly <laughs> but it, it, it may not be you can do look you can do some great things with lemons right sure. you can make lemonade whiskey sours like, oh god there's yeah. some great cocktails 100%. right sidecars sidecars uh-huh, right uh-huh. with lemons tequila shots but i think the thing that both vendors and enterprises oftentimes don't do is uh define the problem they're trying to solve because oftentimes an enterprise yeah. will go, well, that, and to use this article's moniker, right? That product was a mm-hmm. lemon. And then you're like, but what was the problem you're trying to solve? I'm like, well, maybe that product wasn't designed to solve right. that problem in that way. Sure. So let's start with, I love the risk tolerance coming mm-hmm. off the heels of that. Mm-hmm. And then talk about, well, now you can start to develop what problems do you want to solve? Right. And fix your processes and communications, and then go choose some solutions sure. yeah. based on all those here, things. Here, here's the problem out there, feet on the street, though is that these security teams are so caught in the whirlwind these days. Mm-hmm. How do you go take six, seven products and spend two or three months vetting out these products to make sure that they're the right fit for your organization? That's a tough thing to do. And you need to have, as a leader, you have to force that, in, I call it, I personally call it innovation time, right? For, for my teams to go mm-hmm. out there, I force feed time into their calendar. You should have X amount of time innovating, looking at products, beating up products, mm-hmm. doing proof of concepts, because we want to know what really works. Right. Right. We know who's up there in the magic quadrant and who's getting, you know, the dots on the on the matrix. But does it really fit our organization? Does it fit our ecosystem? Does it really fit 
my organization. And the only way to know that is to feel it, touch it, use it, beat it up. Sounds like a whole new business line, Paul. Right. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, organizations are so caught in the world when the day-to-day, running a thousand miles an hour, we're super, super busy, right? So you mm-hmm. either force feed it in or you have a trusted partner you can rely on to give you the scoop on the good technologies. Mm-hmm true. We're going to talk about some of those new buzz terms in two mm. articles because these next two Gartner articles are coming out of the IT Expo um, symposium work. Uh, the first one focuses more about CIO strategies for 2021 and beyond. Uh, I want to hit that one first, mm-hmm. but then there's a whole bunch of these new tech areas and and I'm, I'm just telling you, it's going to be buzzword <laughs> bingo. You're going to see this stuff showing up yep. on vendor solutions. Yep. Pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> let's focus on the four strategies uh, for the CIO yeah. agenda for 2021. And any thoughts here? Because you play both the CIO sure. and the CISO yeah. role, Jason. It, it, so organizations are shifting their mindset, right? They're shifting their mindset to start looking at how do we take existing um, existing folks and push them into more revenue generating focus, right? And and, and that's probably not a great way to explain it. Our businesses are caught in a place where revenue is down in in a lot of instances, especially in IT, right? And there's an uber focus for CEOs and boards of directors to say, how do we shift this operational overhead to drive revenue, right? You may have internal operations who are a cost center. How do you take that cost center and maximize that cost center? to have even they, them drive revenue. And it may be shifts in departments. You may see departments disappearing and you may see other departments get supported, but it's, it's, it's a strategic shift, right? Because again, it's about how do we get out of this COVID situation, right? And, and at minimum stay flat, <laughs> right? That's a big goal. And then force a trajectory for the future where we can continue to grow. That's where the strategies are coming for. So, so some of those there, you know, unleash force multipliers, right? The CIO is, is getting looked to more and more for, again, buzzword bingo, digital transformation. But it's really about how do you take the technology and maximize you know, the, the value add that your organization is bringing is really what that is. Yeah, and, and I noticed the redirection of resources, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Uh, digital projects. I mean, even if, if I look at Cyber Risk Alliance now that we've been there uh, almost two months, right? Mm-hmm. Not quite. The shifts that happen from a physical to a virtual event activity yeah. for us, right? Right, right? That was a shift in redirect to resources. People that were used to putting on physical events now mm-hmm. shifting over to virtual events and scaling out virtual, to your point, to yeah. drive revenue and leveraging those mm-hmm. teams. Every single business is looking at the same thing going, yeah. how do I take what I already have and leverage it to drive new revenue sure, streams sure. to keep my revenue 100%. numbers yeah. going up? Or, yeah. it's, or it's you may have some legacy systems that you need to modernize right, and, and bring up the speed. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you're looking at how do we make it easier to do business with us, <laughs> right? That's, that's a big piece of it. How do we make it so our clients have an easier time, a quicker time, a more efficient time to do business with us, right? So again, there's, there's lots of change ahead. I don't see this stopping anytime soon. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on the show that a lot of, a lot of roadmaps were, were shifted into fifth gear and, you know, it could have been a two-year plan. Now it's a six-month plan. Right. It's, yeah. it's just we got to get it done faster. Yeah. And, and all, off of that story are the top strategic trends for 2021. Here's where the bingo comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. I think buzzword bingo starts to bring some of these in. I think you're going to start seeing solutions with some of these in it. Yeah. Uh, the first one, Internet of Behaviors. Okay. Right. It was already bad enough when it was called uh, Internet of Things. Right. I mean, you know, the 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 one key piece here that um, made my privacy alarms go go off like crazy was this technology is going to be used to influence human behavior. Oh boy, rut row. You know what I mean? It's like uh, here here we go. We're you know we're, we're we're taking everything that's going on right now with our election cycle and and you know all the fake news that's coming out, and now we're going to push it down the throats of the consumer. Great. Right. Awesome. Well, you're taking contact <laughs> tracing, location yes. tracking, all this that's stuff right. and bundling it all together. That's Great. right. Just what we need. Yeah, scary. 
Uh, I, I did think the privacy enhancing computation was yeah. an interesting one where we start to put privacy at the forefront and we start to build privacy components into yeah. to how we build systems. Built in by that design. That was a very interesting, right. yeah. Yeah, no, I, in concept, I love the idea. Let's see how it gets executed on, right? Because again, you know, let's go, let's let's rewind a couple of articles and we're pushing out lemons by default here. So hopefully the technologies that are getting pushed out with this in mind are, are, are something that add value to the organization. They're not a lemon. So in concept, awesome. So let's see what execution brings. Yeah, distributed cloud we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I think anywhere operations gets interesting, right, in a remote workforce. Sure. We were talking about it on the last segment yep. with yep. with authenticate. Yeah, I think that's part I think that's part of the solution. I think that's part of the solution right there, something with authenticate. Yeah. Right. Yep. Where where you can run your operations environment mm-hmm. from anywhere because it's available in the cloud. Yep, the cybersecurity mesh. I mean, we're talking about no more perimeters, right? And and, mm-hmm. and 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 really being able to have that security strategy no matter where you are in the world, right? Making sure that you're you say it all the time, Matt, focused on identity, focused on data, focused on the application, right? Because our folks are everywhere these days. Yeah, I literally yeah. we're having conversations with staff that's like I can move down to Florida and just work from Florida. Why not, right? I could go move to Costa Rica and just work from Costa Rica. Why not? Uh, you know, my, my, my father-in-law recently just he traveled to Maine, and you know, he's he's looking to get some some land out there in Maine. He talked to a realtor, and the realtor said, "Yeah, good luck because folks from New York are buying this up right. like hotcakes right now <laughs> because mm-hmm. they don't have to li- they don't have to live in New York anymore, and they're getting paid New York salary, so mm-hmm. they can right. go they can go live in a nice you know on a nice farm in Maine." Costa Rica is one of the top ones on the list. Portugal is actually number one right now. Is it? Uh, yes. Oh, man. You got to do some research. I love yes. it. I love it. A uh, couple other ones here. Uh, AI engineering. We've been mm, hearing ML yeah, AI yeah. forever. Hyper automation. Hyper automation. I mean, <laughs> yeah. SOAR has been around for a while. Now right. it's hyper automation. Yep, so yep. Look, look out for the buzzword bingo. That's it. It's coming to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the last story is actually, it, we had Param on a couple weeks ago from the Cybersecurity Collaborative. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an interesting announcement from us, uh, from the Cybersecurity Collaborative side, uh, the Cyber Risk Alliance. Announced a $1 million fund to help organizations whose cybersecurity resources have been affected by the pandemic to join the alliance. So it's providing uh, some mm-hmm. grants and some money to allow small to medium-sized business CISOs get yeah. some of the help they need. I thought this was a great You know, uh, I, I, I can't thank the Cyber Risk Alliance enough for this because the first thing that gets cut out of our budget is training and memberships. Mm. That's one of the first things to go, right? And, and, and for, for, for them to have the insight, or I should say us to have the insight at this point, right? For us to have that level of insight is just incredible, right? We, we, have, to, we have to do the right thing by the community in these hard times. So this is the right thing by the community. It honestly is. Yeah, I thought this was a great announcement. And yeah. Anybody who wants more, the articles here, you can link to the resources. What it really allows you to do is get discounts uh, or even in certain mm-hmm. sectors, get free membership into some of these collaborative resources to really help you uh, network with your peers, collaborate mm-hmm. with your peers, learn from your peers, grab that great CISO uh, knowledge that's sitting there in that collaborative. Yeah. Incredible for thought leadership. Love it. Awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. We'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly.